Welcome to Journey into the Voidlands. Hello everyone, this is Bob from the Future in Editing. Just letting you folks know that we did have some internet problems, so the audio quality isn't up to what it will be in the future episodes. We apologize for this inconvenience and hope you'll stick around because it will be well worth it in the end. Thank you for joining us for this brand new game that we are starting. Uh, This is a whole new podcast, a whole new game that we hope will take off and end up being a ton of fun. Uh, We love the Chaos Plan very, very much and plan to still bring it in every once in a while, play it for some fun one-shots and whatnot. Uh, We'll probably continue the campaign somewhere down the line once things get a little bit more uh, settled down and even, but for the moment we wanted to try something new, a little bit more typical D&D style game uh, with less extreme players because we did get a bit OP in that last game with some of those magic items. Uh, I'm looking at you, Danderbin, uh, half Tarrasque, half uh, halfling, half uh, uh, werewolf. (laughs) What was wrong with that? (laughs) Yeah. So um, we're going to go ahead and get started with this new campaign. The name of this world is Impios. And the main city within Impios is named Asmar. A huge city where one can spend their entire life in and never see into every shop, home, or alley. Parts of the city are works of art in their complex beauty, while others are barely above the wilderness in their savage lawlessness. To truly understand Asmar, you must first understand the state of the world. Impios is a world in the process of being created. The three creators are beyond even gods in their power and scale. They have no true corporeal forms and are as much like storms as they are gods or deities. They are responsible for the creation of the world and everything within it, as random and chaotic as it seems at times. Those who wish to help shape the world seek these creators out at the edge of the world. The few who make it there become figures of myth and legend. We begin our adventure in the middle of Asmar. The crowded streets seem to be always full of people and beings of all description, shape, and size. Where we begin is right outside the Brawler's Guild, which is a massive coliseum-like building. There are fighting arenas on the inside that truly put on some of the most spectacular fights, staged and not, that Asmar has ever seen. The biggest, the bravest names and fighters are all brought there to test their mettle against one another. Sotgar Heavyhammer is the guild leader. Uh, He is a stone giant goliath that wields a massive two-handed hammer in one hand and has been known to break apart city walls while they're being constructed or rebuilt and just tear them apart with a single swing of that hammer. So, Sukar is currently overseeing a whole new group of Brawler's Guild members that are just at the end of their debt. So these Brawler's Guild members have gone through training and they have completed enough jobs that they are now assigned their last job before being free and clear members 
of the Brawler skill, able to take on assignments uh, as they please and to join other parties and groups to take on some truly complex and dangerous missions, all in the hopes of one day reaching the edge of the world to talk to the creators. So we will go ahead and start with Poppy. Poppy, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your character, name, race, class, favorite color, you know, the whole works. <laughs> All right, so my name is Poppy. Um, I'm a female forest gnome. Um, I'm a monk. Um, yeah, so I'm two foot eight, so I'm pretty small. Um, and I got really spiky red hair. And I like to go around helping people. Awesome. So, Poppy, why would you have joined the Brawlers Guild to begin with? What would have been your motivation to take, to become an indentured uh, employee, for lack of a better term, an indentured servant of the guild until you had paid off your debt? Um, well, currently I am um, trying to find my parents. They gave me away when I was a baby. Um and I'm pretty sure that they're still alive, so I'm just on a quest to find them. Awesome, yeah, so you would have, you know, being a young child that was given up to an orphanage or something along those lines, there would not have been a ton of opportunities for you uh, to make it on your own. And so becoming an indentured servant of one of the guilds or the uh, noble houses is pretty much the only thing you could do, so. Um, yeah, you, you joined the Brawler's Guild, and now you are on your last mission before you are finished. What would be Poppy's first thing she would want to do after being free and clear of all debt to the um, Brawler's Guild? Um, I would definitely want to kind of explore um, different towns and stuff, just kind of get out there. Fantastic. Well, there will be plenty of opportunity to that to come, I am sure. So now we move on to um, Dargron. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, all the same stuff. Uh, Dargron Oathfinder is a Goliath Paladin uh, and Warlock Multiclass. Um, she carries a two-handed mall and wears full plate mail. Fantastic. Uh, what would be the deity that you worship with the Paladin aspect? Uh, he worships Air the a stalwart guardian. Fantastic. Uh, so why would he have joined the Brawler's Guild initially? Um, he didn't live in the village, uh, or in the city. Uh, when his people were attacked, uh, he fought off against, and as to save his people, he made a deal with uh, a divine being, and as payment for saving his people, he had to go to the temple to become a priest paladin there and to serve his time and pay off his debt there and the Brawler's Guild was the best way to get the proper training to be a paladin and to pay for his uh, equipment. Okay, fantastic. And what would be the first thing that he would want to do after breaking free of that shackling debt that the Brawler's Guild has on him right now? Uh, he'd probably continue to do good, uh, trying to find things to help out the people and to be the protector for those who need protecting. Awesome. Well, there's definitely a lot of that in this crazy world. So we're going to go ahead and start with just you two for right now, and then we will bring in everybody else uh, slowly as we go. So Poppy and Dargron, you were brought in front of Sotgar uh, at the last, as, as kind of a ceremonial thing, taking on the last job 
of the Brawler's Guild indentured service. So you wouldn't have had a ton of choice in the jobs that you took, and they would have been the jobs that nobody else wanted to do, like rats in the basement of the taverns, you know, or cleaning a den of thieves out of the sewers, you know, dirty jobs like that that nobody really wants to take on. And so this is going to be your first fully unsupervised mixed job. And Sagar stands before you, and in his deep, rumbling voice, Brothers and sisters in arms, today we welcome a new batch of warriors into our fold. They came to us as small and weak recruits and are now powerful and formidable. Today you will finish paying off the debt you owe us for forging you into who you are today. May your swords be sharp, your hammer blows heavy, and your aim true. Uh, so he sends you to the adventurer's court, Poppy and Dargron, where you'll meet up with other members of different guilds to be or to be able to take part in one last mission before being completely free of debt. So what would you guys do before heading that way? He says meet there um, at about noon, let's say, and this would be fairly early in the morning. We'd say like 637. You guys would have just had breakfast and whatnot. What would you do before heading to that, the adventurer's court? Um, I would probably, if I have any time, uh, go back to the temple and do uh, my work there uh, as a priest. Okay, yeah, you're able to get back there. Um, you going to pray or are you going to... What all? Well, I'd pray and hold services for those that need it. Um, oh. Since I, I work at the temple as a priest. Yeah, if fantastic. It's early in the morning and I have you know, several hours, I'd probably do something if, if people need it. Yeah, that's actually fantastic and very well tied to your backstory. So go ahead and give yourself a point of inspiration for that. Um, so yeah, you're able to head back to the temple. Uh, many of your uh, parishioners or uh, temple goers that you would have preached to frequently would recognize you there and would kind of know that this is a big day for you. Wish you good luck and congratulations. And you know, if we, we know of anybody that needs a good beating, we'll, we'll let you know and that kind of stuff. <laughs> All right, Poppy, what would you like to do before heading to the adventurer's court? I feel like I would definitely have a lot of energy, especially that early in the morning. So I'd probably just kind of go and kind of work out, kind of get ready um, for the final mission. Yeah, for sure. Are you doing a more strength-based buff monk or a more dexterous, hoppy-jumpy type monk? Um, kind of both. More okay. dexterous. Okay. So... As you're working out and everything, you know, you're, you're doing speed drills, you're uh, uh, working on some of the dummies, the practice dummies, and some of the striking dummies that they have there to, uh, you know, really work up a sweat to get warmed up. And you see that several of the other Brawlers Guild members, those that have still got a year or two left, are kind of looking up at you and taking note of everything that you're doing to <laughs> looking up at you. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, so they're, they're, they're watching you for uh, things that they can do to improve their own techniques. And you see several of them, you know, are, are kind of trying out some of the moves that you're doing. Would you stop what you're doing and assist them? Or would you just hyper focus on what you're doing? Oh, I would definitely stop and try to like help them show them kind of how to do it. 
Fantastic. Go ahead and roll me either a performance check or a uh, persuasion check. Okay. Um, I'll do a persuasion. That's going to be a 17. Fantastic. Yeah, you're able to really, you know, you're watching what you're doing, what you're doing, and you're kind of, no, 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 raise your fist up a little bit more. Don't, don't throw your whole shoulder into it. You know, keep your stance firm, and you're really kind of uh, helping them fine tune what they're doing. Uh, so go ahead and add a point of inspiration for uh, taking time to stop and, and help them out. Uh, so you're able to get that done. She's two feet eight, so keep in mind she's doing this with the assistance of a large stick. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. You've got your bow staff there that's uh, three foot tall, and you're you're pushing their arms up a little bit and not you know moving them down and you know get right there. <laughs> so you're able to uh, help assist them, and you work up a good sweat, and then after that you have enough time for a cool down, and then uh, both of you start heading towards the adventurers' court. Uh, so, any other last-minute things before we switch to the next group coming in? Nope. nope. All right, you guys approach the adventurer's court. There are all sorts of extremely well-armed individuals there. You know, you would see these people coming in and out of the city regularly with wagons and caravans. You would know that there's some big hitters here. Um, very, very well-known individuals, as well as several newbies. You're assuming by their, their awestruck tourist-type eyes upon approaching the court. So then we will go ahead and move on to our next uh, group, which is our Merchants Guild members. And they aren't just Merchants Guild members, they're part of the Phantom Syndicate. So we will go ahead and start off with the leader of this syndicate. So, uh, Brixie, uh, Brexie, go ahead and uh, give us a rundown of your character. Um, all right. Uh... Hey everyone, I'm hoping I am playing Brixi, the tiefling gambler. Uh, the gambler is a class that Virgil and I have uh, made together, and I'm really excited to play it. Um, Brixi is a purple tiefling, uh, curly ram horn, and really dark purple, almost black hair. Uh, she grew up in a tavern called the Painted Stein that her parents used to own before they passed, and that's where she grew up in. Uh, she saw people come in and just gamble. Some people gambled their lives away, but a certain few people gambled to make their life. And so now her sole purpose is just to get as rich as she can, so that way she doesn't have to worry about anyone or anything ever again. And she's just rich as all can be. And she's also the leader of the Phantom Syndicate, which is her own little uh, gambling gang kind of thing. Uh, she wants to get money, and gambling is a good way to do it, but sometimes you have to go a little bit below what the law says to get the biggest profit. Fantastic. So why would you have joined Merchant's Guild uh, when you did, become an indentured servant of them? Uh, she decided to join the Merchant's Guild uh, to be able to, well, obviously to get more money, but also to be able to take over the Painted Stein. Um, since her parents had passed away, uh, the contract didn't get given to her because she was young enough at the time. Uh, Cadmir, who is now the bartender, is basically the guy who runs it, or is at least holding it for her until she can uh, basically pay back the debt that is needed to put the contracts back in her name. Okay, and what would be the first thing that you would do after having all of your debt paid off? 
find another way to make more money. <laughs> well put. <laughs> All right. And now, because uh, Braden loves uh, complicated names, uh, Jekapup, tell yep. us about you. Uh, Jekapup is a about four foot tall, ten year old lizard folk who is currently living with Brixie because she is his adopted mother. Uh, he <laughs> is, he wears like the bare minimum of clothing, probably like some pants and some, not really even shoes. Oh, shoes that his like large lizard folk toes and like talons have like ripped out the front of. Uh, he's got like, he's got like bluish gray scales, particularly gray on his underbelly. And he has like really piercing blue eyes and uh, horns all across his head. Um, what would I let you know about me? Uh, he was born in, or hatched in a rainforest to the southeast of Asmar called the Oscarian Rainforest, uh, where he lived a pretty tribal existence with his uh, his tribe of lizard folk. Um, they eventually, well, the whole rainforest is at constant war because there are three sort of tribes that are within it the main sort of um players within the rainforest being the bullywug the arakokra and the lizard folk and um as you can imagine the lizard folk aren't too bright and get outwitted fairly regularly so in one of these uh battles that were occurring that was happening at night jackie pop managed to uh, escape thanks to his well the, the lizard folk lady who uh, hatched him and he was picked up by hunters and brought into asthma kind of spared i suppose but uh, his real main drive would be just plain hunger he lived for a little bit in the um i think there was a the dandy orphanage named after my previous character yes uh, and there he would have learned well, sort of learned some of the natural, well, not natural, the regular humanoid um, mor like morals and like the system that they live by because lizard folk have a very different system and drives to what like regular humans and humanoid creatures do. So all of that is kind of half taken in and then was eventually adopted by Brixie to help her make more money and that's where he is now. Okay, so I guess that makes sense as to why you joined the guild, but what would be the first thing you would do after um, being debt-free? Uh, he probably wouldn't even have a real idea of what a debt is, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, he'd probably just keep helping Brixie with whatever and hopefully eat some interesting soft-fleshed things. <laughs> okay, so you guys would have been within the Painted Stein and woken up very first in the morning knowing full well that your guild leader, uh, let me pull up her name because I am terrible with names, um, knowing full well that uh, Rosalira would, uh, uh, knowing full well that Rosalira will probably have something for you to do because today is supposed to be your last day of debt or something along those lines, um, you guys are already, you know, doing pretty darn well uh, with this gambling hall and everything. So the debt was never a huge issue for you to start with, but you got to do your time. So you guys would have gotten up, uh, had something to eat, and Cadmir would meet up with you guys and say, 
So, what is you gonna be doing today? Oh, Cadmere, you know the usual. Doing what we can to get a little bit more money. I hear that this is kind of a, a big day for both of you. Don't keep the don't keep Rosalina uh, waiting too long. You never know what she'll be up to. She probably already knows that she overslept. <laughs> and then we'll be on our way. Thank you, Cadmir. <laughs> All right. So um, you guys head off towards the Guild Hall. Um, where would your tavern be in respect to the uh, Guild Corner itself? There's the market corner clear down in that bottom corner. Otherwise, uh, there are taverns and whatnot scattered among the common residences and uh, a couple in the noble servants area as well. Oh, and probably a couple up near the air docks and warehouses as well, because that's where travelers would be coming in and out of. I'd probably be towards the edge of the market and their whole big thing is, you know, you get to come in and paint your own stein. So it's definitely more of a marketable thing rather than a just a, another tavern. Gotcha. Okay, so then you guys start the long trek over to the guild corner and you notice that as you get there Rosa is waiting out front for both of you, um, knowing that you're going to be late anyway, but kind of puffing at the fact that you still couldn't even do this formality thing um, <laughs> completely you know, to the letter. And so after seeing you guys come in, she... Uh, kind of whooshes you away towards uh, where all the other merchant apprentices are at. So you are all uh, in this large room, and she addresses you all. I know that many of you have been waiting for this day to come because all of you are very good at counting coins and counting debts and making sure that you end up on the right side of that red line. I appreciate all of you having been here for as long as you have, and I have gotten to know all of you very well. So I expect you to all keep up with our merchant's code of making sure that we always end up with the extra coin. I encourage all of you to head towards the adventurer's court around noon. There will be several other wonderful apprentices and newly grad or newly free members of the guilds there uh, looking for work. Do your best to turn a profit and to bring riches and glory to the Merchant's Guild. So what would you guys do from there after all the rigmarole of, you know, paperwork because it's the Merchant's Guild, so there's going to be signatures and and ledgers gone over and everything else. What would you guys do once all of the formal hubbubaloo would be done? Hey, Mom. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is going to be too much half the time. I'm going to get Hey, Mom, what do you want to do? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Mm, yes, my little investment. We have some time. We can we can make a, a little bit of pocket change after the sword. You know, we could always take socket change, too. Yeah. Okay. How about we sell me to the merchant again? <laughs> How long would it have been since the last time we did that? Uh, go ahead and roll me a d12. That's an eight. Okay, it has been eight weeks since the last time you sold him. Oh, amazing. I bet no one knows what the context is, so this sounds very strange. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, Alright, well, I say, well, okay. And then I'm going to use my Circle of Civilization prop shape to turn into a, uh, <laughs> let's say, a. Hmm. Like a art bust. Like pretty much me, but like a upper body stone bust that's been carved. <laughs> Go ahead and read that ability for context, because it's too good. <laughs> okay. Uh, prop shape. As an action, I can expend one use of my wild shape to turn myself into a medium or smaller object. While in object, object form, I am incapacitated, lose all of my regular senses except for hearing, gain blind sight out to a range of 60 feet, and have a walking speed of 5 feet. Uh, I can, yeah, I pretty much keep the same hit points as my regular druid form, so it's not like Wild Shape where I get a new set of hit points, but I do get temporary hit points equal to two times my druid level. So once those are expended, though, I'm just going to start dying as a immobile prop, essentially. Roll me a d20 to see how good of a, a bust you create uh, when you Wild Shape. All right. Uh, 16. 16, okay, this is pretty convincing. It looks like maybe not top tier work, but this would definitely be a, a, a pretty good likeness. So nice. uh, how much would you be asking for? Oh. Or would you leave it up to them to try and make the first offer? <laughs> this is so ridiculous. I guess I'll leave it up <laughs> it is, but it's amazing. I'll, I'll let them make the first offer. I know how much Stein's Oath, but not necessarily Bust. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you um, you go to the merchant's uh, uh, corner or whatever, and you find a stall that's still empty. The merchant that's there hasn't come yet to set his stuff up. And so you set this uh, bust of uh, Jekapup up on this stall, and you just kind of wait around and look, and you're hawking your wares. Come check out this amazing piece of artwork, you know, so on and so forth. So a pudgy-looking human man uh, comes up and is really inspecting the work here. Like, he's, like, got his nose pretty much touching, you know, the the artwork to look at all the fine details. And he's like, hmm, well, it doesn't look too bad, but it it smells absolutely terrible. <laughs> that's, that's how you can tell that a real artist created it. It smells... Like the deranged artist himself. Um, I will give you five gold pieces for it. Do you want to oh. roll an insight check on that? Sure. Oh, oh god, I need dice. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Welcome to D&D, everybody. Woo! <laughs> I have an ability. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> oh, you both would have gotten inspiration, by the way, for your ridiculous... So if you want to burn your inspiration here, you can. Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> oh God, please let this dice work. That's a 14. Okay, you would know he will probably go, I don't know. He, he's a, starting about half of his maximum. Oh, oh, my good sir. You obviously have very face knowing that this authentic piece, but since you know your stuff, you know this is worth way more than five. Why don't you give me a real offer? Okay, go ahead and roll me a deception or persuasion check. Alright. <laughs> that is a 22. 
Oh goodness, he he is definitely. Like, I'll go up to eight gold pieces, but not a gold piece more, or but not a silver more. Uh, why don't we try nine gold pieces? Eight and a half. Good sir, look at this magnificent piece of artwork. You know it's worth, it's worth way more than nine. Stealing this from my let you take it away for nine gold. Alright, go ahead and roll one last uh, persuasion check this time. Um, but uh, you have advantage on it because of how well you rolled last time. Okay, first roll was a 24. And second roll was a 21, so 24. <laughs> Fine, nine, but not a single copper more than that. And you deliver it. Okay, bro. Like to live to. Okay, so he uh, says that he's. Ooh, this will be fun. Um, <laughs> Jekapup, because I am going to pick on you. Go ahead and roll me a D8. Three. <laughs> it's going to be delivered to House Thane up in the Noble District, or up by the Noble Houses. And who shall I say this is for? Um. That is a very good question. I have a name, and it is a fantastic name. As a matter of fact, <laughs> it is so good because it was given to me by my parents. <laughs> my name is Artemis. I just address it to Artemis of the House Thane. All right. I'll have it delivered promptly. <laughs> okay. And uh, he hands you the uh, gold coins and uh, heads back out of the market area. I turn right. back to Jackie Pop in your hands. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, Jackie Pop. Oh my goodness. I cannot wait to mess with you guys later with this. <laughs> yep. We've made some powerful enemies here today. <laughs> no joke, especially House Thane. So, uh, what would you guys like to do from here? This would have taken a fair bit of time, but you would also know you probably are going to want to get clear of here ASAP before whoever owns this stall comes back. Yeah, that is a very good point. Uh, obviously, I will defer to Brixie before making a decision for myself, but... I love how Hope is the one that's going to have to make all the decisions. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I love it, too. <laughs> Deception check. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys want to, you can head back to the Painted Stein, uh, count out your coin, uh, hide it away wherever you do, and then head to the Adventure court if you want to wrap it up um yeah when we get back uh i'd want to ask hadmir how his sculpting skills are <laughs> oh god okay uh so you get back there and what exactly do you ask him just how are your sculpting skills yes okay he says well it has been enough years that i have i'm not exactly the best sculptor in the world but i can definitely appreciate a sculpted figure <laughs> okay, Amazing. I know you do. <laughs> I have a favor to ask. I would like it if you could scold me uh, a bust of Jekka here. It doesn't have to be bad. It's just something that I can deliver to House Thane pretty soon. Well, I can do that, but I don't have any of the materials I would need. I think it's going to cost about, oh, a gold piece, perhaps, to get the clay and the tools. All I have is my painting supply steins, and they're made of wood, not clay. Oh, Cadmir, I was hoping you'd be a bit more creative than that. 
It's, it's still gonna cost me five silver pieces, nonetheless, and then for my work, I'm charging seven silver pieces for this bust. Okay. I bite his leg. Oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> I bite his leg. <laughs> get off of me! Get off of me, Jackabuff! <laughs> <laughs> That's how much it's gonna cost me, damn you! Now, Jackabuff, we do not fight family. <laughs> He'll detach and then put his head down and give uh, Brixie the uh, lizard eyes, the lizzy, lizard pup eyes. I don't know. <laughs> Fantastic. I take a cracker out of my uh, side pouch and toss it to Jekapup. I consume it very quickly. <laughs> it catches it midair. <laughs> Where's my then mouth? I take Padmir and I put the... Uh, Seven silver pieces in his hand and kiss his forehead and say thank you, Cadmus. It'll be ready by tonight. Don't be late. I ain't running it up. Just realized I'm playing a guard dog, essentially. (laughs) 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 That's fantastic. All right. So then you guys head off to the adventurer's court. Once again, you see all manner of adventurers there and all manner of pigeons just ripe for the plucking. Um, so you see that there are several very, yeah, <laughs> check up. Um, but you see that there are very wide-eyed new apprentice guild members and whatnot there that, that definitely could be scammed pretty easily. So we move on then to uh, our, let's see, Arcanist Guild. So Dave, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your character. All right, so um, Evandril is... He is an elvish uh, warlock, so his background is noble. So he came from a noble family uh, of elves with a long line of um, talent, I would say, but it, I would put it closer to like prodigy like genius level skills at magic, but he was never able to actually do it. So, you know, he struggled with that for a while until one day he was granted some powers by a mystical fey creature and so now he's kind of working his way up through the arcanist guild and you know trying to develop develop his skills uh mainly out of spite for his family because he hates them (laughs) okay um so is that why you would have joined the arcanist uh, was to uh spite your family about you know being a magic user despite the yeah, I mean, he doesn't super understand his powers well. Um, he wants to get to know them better. He wants to figure out how that stuff works. He wants to get better to spite his family. Um, yeah, all of that, basically. Also, he got kicked out because he tried to pass off his warlock magic as wizard magic, <laughs> and he got kicked out. So, also money. Yeah, I can see that. So then what would be the first thing he would do after being debt-free and and no longer in uh, debt uh, to the Arcanist Guild? Um, probably just spend some time researching, exploring, taking advantage of uh, connections within the Arcanist Guild to um, develop some of that magical potential uh, that he knows very little about. Awesome. And do you have the name of who your patron is, or is that still a secret for now? Uh, he would not know for sure. It is a it is a fey entity. Okay. So, as a warlock of the Arcanist Guild, um, your leader, oh, elf names, 
Aaron Drill uh, is a high elf wizard and is the leader of the Arcanist Guild. Uh, he is extremely well known as being able to control multiple, or as being as having multiple familiars, which is extremely uncommon, and being able to control multiple summoned creatures at once. Uh, he can't do a whole lot else as far as like evocation magic or illusion or anything like that, but he can control summoned anything. So he would have called you together with all of the other apprentices and whatnot of that area. And he would say, As the magic flows around us, so it flows within and through us. All are connected by this magic, but few learn to pluck the strings of it and turn it into music. You who stand before us are just apprentices stepping forth into the world. With practice, you will become truly capable magicians who will shape the world as easily as a bard plays a melody. By tomorrow, you will stand as equals among us, not as indebted students. May the magic flow through you and within you. So where would you like to go from here? Yeah, so um, I would probably, I'd go stop by back at my house. Um, I have a small little apartment in a very, very modest area of town. Um, I would drop off, maybe I, I got a, like a satchel with some books that I take when I go to the Arcanists. Um, where, where, where would they be? Would they, are they they're in the guild corner? Yeah, the guild corner up there, all the guild hall. Yeah, so I would, I would, I, I would have a little sack of stuff that I bring when I go over there. Uh, so I would set that down, maybe stop by. I've got a little, little rack in the corner and on the underside it's got this little little little, little cover uh with the dark little corner that i keep a little kind of an idle space so it's got like a little ring of fungus that i've been developing over <laughs> several weeks um a couple nice. of moss stones like a little stone archway and some pieces of bread just kind of sprinkled about so I'll kind of tend to that, you know, maybe throw some bread in, a uh, little, little little, tiny thing of milk, you know, something cute like that, a little rock garden. Um, and then I'm going to take a nap and and go to the place he said to go at like, I don't know, 11.30. Fantastic. Okay, because you are taking care of a tiny little fey circle with offerings of bread and milk, go ahead and give yourself a point of inspiration for that, because that is, that is pretty good role play right there. Uh, and awesome. that will be a, po a point of communication between you and your patron. So you would find little messages and offerings and stuff there in exchange to kind of guide you. All right. So as you head up to the um, adventurer's court, then you see all manner and number of crazy different adventurers, uh, including several that appear to be like you, you've seen their portraits hanging up in the Arcanist Guild. Like these are not small fish here. Uh, there are definitely some of those there, uh, very naive and new to the world looking individuals that aren't quite sure what's going on. You think they're probably in about the same boat you are, their first time on a group job, but uh, there are also some very big hitters here as well. So we then move on to the last individual we have with us, um, Captain Mako. Go ahead and tell us about your character. Captain Mako is a praetorian who serves the House of Gaul. Uh, he stands nearly seven feet tall, weighing the better part of 400 pounds. He's an imposing figure with a fearsome reputation. He wears a long coat, 
a tattered captain's coat. As a matter of fact, it's seen better days. Uh, but he wears it with pride, along with the multitude of scars covering his thickly muscled body, which he displays as a testament to his hard-earned title. Awesome. So, why would you have joined the Gull, other than the fact that they have a massive fleet of air and sea ships? Uh, well, Mako wasn't always a marine, as it were. Uh, he flew a different flag, a black flag. Uh, and he found himself on the losing side with Beodra Gaul at one point, uh, who, in his infinite wisdom, saw how useful he could be, and instead of sending him to the depths, offered him an opportunity to join his fleet. Uh, so he took it. Fantastic. And what would be the first thing that he would want to do, or a big goal that he would do, after no longer being in debt to the House of Gaul? Mako wants nothing more than to sail the high seas and for his ship to be the most feared. Okay. So, being as you are a member of the House of Gull, the noble houses are a little bit different structured than the guilds. The guilds are a very collective group of people, but the houses are all ran by the head families, and only the members of the head family are true member, or can truly take the name of Gull though anybody associated with the house frequently references it. Um, so, uh, let's see. Drag uh, is a blue dragonborn, and he is a very fearsome leader of the house. As a matter of fact, their palace uh, mansion type thing is actually a ship that was drug from the ocean and then built around it. So he would address... So the, the ship is completely inside of a mansion. So when he addresses everybody in the family, it is from the highest open um, balcony, I guess, in the middle of the hall, while everybody else would stand on what was once the deck of the ship. And he addresses everybody, saying to you all... Yes, the helm. Thank you very much. I, I know boats, I promise. <laughs> the seas are brutal and unforgiving. If you fall overboard, you might as well sink. When you first washed up on our doorstep, you were as a drowned man, weak and near death. You have grown into halfway acceptable crewmen and women. You are fit to serve as a representative of House Gull. Now get out of here and do something with your lives instead of wasting them listening to me talk. May the wind always fill your sail. And then he would wish you all the best by pulling out a piece of gold that he has hung upon his neck. And he would kiss it and hold it up to all of you as a sign of good luck. And many of you would have that a same or very similar gold coin on a chain around your neck. Uh, so you see similar uh, others around you uh, lifting up that gold piece, kissing it, and holding it into the air. So this would be, you guys are sailors, so you're used to being up, like, early in the morning. So this would be just now 6 a.m., pretty much, when this whole speech is over. So you have plenty of time to get ready. What all would you do um, before heading to the Adventurer's Court? Uh, well, first let me let me ask, as a, as a captain of uh, House Gull, do I have my own vessel, or is it um, on loan, if you will? Yeah, it would be the House Gull's vessel, but you would be the respected captain of it. 
Uh, so basically, as long as that ship is not in use on family business, it's yours to use. The crew would answer to you. Um, but since it is House Gull, they are very frequently in use. So basically what we'll have you do is uh, every time you want to use the ship, there's a 10% chance that it'll be in port free of use to you. All right, well, there's a 100% chance I'll be looking to get my own. <laughs> For sure. Uh, well, with that, that in mind, uh, the first thing I do every morning is to check on the you know, status of the ship. Uh, taking great pride, you know, in its maintenance, making sure the crew uh, is tending to their duties. So I'd go over there. Yeah, for sure. You walk down um, towards the edge of town and you get out to the docks and everybody's pretty much doing what they're supposed to. I mean, there's a few individuals that are, you know, bleary-eyed new crew members or new um, servants of the house gull that haven't quite adjusted yet to the early, early mornings that sailors keep. But for the most part, they're doing what they're supposed to. Would you just mainly stick around your ship and make sure everything's getting done? Or would you go to some of the other vessels that are sitting there and and talk to some of the other crew or, you know, the dock workers to get info on what's going on? What, what all would you do there? Uh, well, as always, you know, first order of business would be tending to my respected vessel. Uh, and I, w- I would do my rounds, uh, make my presence known uh, naturally. And if everything is in order there, uh, I would walk the docks and further inspect the rest of the fleet. Uh, I'd imagine most of the captains are fairly competent, but I know there's a few that aren't. I know better. I don't know how they got where they are. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. So uh, go ahead then and give me a perception or insight check. All right, that's uh, that's a big six. Okay, uh, so as you're looking around, you can some are slacking off, but you know it looks like everybody is pretty much doing what they're supposed to. Uh, you you do notice that there is some grumbling uh, from some of the, I, I guess thugs would be the best term for them. The guys that are just loading. The, the cargo. Big, dumb brutes that are just picking up heavy-ass boxes and throwing them on the boat and walking down. Dock hands, yeah. I, I don't want to call them full dock hands because I don't think they're smart enough to tie ropes. I'm thinking like uh, dumb, big laborers that literally just load boats. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah, you hear some grumbling from from those individuals. Uh, gr- uh, grumbling and such, like, are they... What are the, what are they loading? Where are they loading it? Just out of curiosity. Uh, let's see. Go ahead and roll me a d4. Sure. Uh, that would be a four. A four. Okay, so it would be. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna say your ship number two. So it would be the ship two over from you. Um, so as you you know you did all of your uh, walking and whatnot around you know uh, inspecting everything and then you went down on the. Do- made sure that, you know, all the manifests were filled out correctly, making sure that there aren't any um, uh, confusion as far as what dock different ships are going to be coming in at, that kind of stuff. So, uh, as you're down there uh, on the dock itself, you hear the grumbling of these large, let's go ahead and say there's three half-ogres and four orcs, all centered around this large pile of crates. And these crates seem to be pretty... I don't want to say they were that shoddy they were put together, but they were definitely assembled in a hurry. 
and, and they're grumbling. And the second they see you, you know, a captain and whatnot, they they would kind of grumble quieter about something. So it's definitely they don't want you to overhear it. Sure. So I'd, I'd observe them for a moment, just to just to see their demeanor. And after a brief amount of time, I would begin to approach them. Uh, heavy footfalls echoing off the docks, uh, stopping just just short of them. Okay, you see, as you start getting closer, they all stand up a little bit straighter, and a couple of the orcs look dubiously at the boxes, uh, the crates behind them. And uh, you see that they kind of start motioning for each other to pick up the crates, but none of them actually do. How would you address them upon approaching? So, I'd be standing there uh, straight, hands behind my back, uh, just looking over them for a moment. What seems to be the problem here, gentlemen? Alright, you see one of the orcs that appears to be kind of the the leader of the group, for lack of a better term. Uh, The foreman, if you were, uh, walks up to you and, and he kind of puts on a very mean face and he says whoever the hell decided to to box these crates or to put these crates together didn't do a, a, a good damn job about it i mean they're, they're half falling apart there's nails all over and whatever's inside keeps rolling around there's no way we're going to be able to load these without breaking what's inside and you know that if anything breaks we're the ones that get blamed for it so i ain't doing it so i lean in uh, cocking my head to the side just ever so slightly. Repeat that last part, please. I ain't doing it. So as soon as as soon as the last word comes out of his mouth, I'm gonna snap forward. Just many rows of toothy teeth opening and bearing down on him, uh, and I'm gonna bite him. All right, uh, go ahead and make your attack roll. Uh, twenty-three. Okay, I will go ahead and let you decide if you want to do damage, or I will give you advantage on an intimidation check. Oh well, yeah, yeah, we're 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 Captain Freaking Maco. I'm doing damage. All right, go ahead and roll it. All right, uh, eleven points of piercing damage. Yeah, that takes him down. He poof to the ground, rearing and rolling in pain. What did you do? My arm! I'm not gonna be able to work! What I need to what are you doing? So bits of flesh and blood hanging from between my razor sharp teeth, I stand back up and look over the other ones. Would anyone else like to not do their job today? You see one of the large half ogres kind of with a giant meaty arm kind of pushes the other orcs back who are like nearly blood rage and you see a large half ogre with a giant meaty arm push everybody back and says no we load the boxes you you take him now we don't want him here bleeding on the crates so just with a massive toothy grin that just splits my face i nod wise decision all right and you see the uh, other half o- or one of the other half ogres slap a yorks upside the head and uh, they all begin picking up boxes and uh, gingerly carrying them. It's going to take them about twice as long as normal, but you can see that they're being extremely careful not to 
to rattle these boxes. And and even without a perception check, you can tell that these were put together very shoddily. Like they've got whoever put these together was not a professional merchant or uh, somebody that was accustomed to shipping things via sea vessel. Yeah, we'll have to look into that. For sure. So go ahead, and since you didn't back down being the full captain you can be, give yourself a point of inspiration. Wonderful. All right. At this point, it would be about an hour and a half until you have to be at the Adventurer's Court and head back that way. Uh, absolutely. Unless I have time to kill, I am thirsty. Otherwise, yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you get a big old flag of something, uh, jump on the back of a cart, and it begins rattling its way up the fairly decently paved road, uh, or cobblestone type road, and uh, you make your way to the Adventurer's Court. While you're there, you can tell that pretty much everybody around you is definitely not what you would call seaworthy. Um, most of these people look like they haven't even left the the city that itself. Um, many of them are pale, pasty-looking individuals that that don't that wouldn't be able to survive more than a week at sea. But you know, there are a few promising individuals there amongst the group. You're sure. So. We're going to go ahead and pick up with all of you in here now. Uh, so we will try and sort out this craziness since this is the biggest game we've ran in a while. So all of you see just multitudes of people around you. Uh, there are people of every shape, size, variety, class, race. I mean, you name it, there's somebody here. This is an extremely large area, probably 200 by 200. Um, very open, airy, uh, I don't want to say building necessarily. It's A tower is above you, but you are kind of in a lower open area. There's no door here. It's all just giant archways with a huge culmination of people all surrounding this job board in the center. And it's a triangular three-sided job board where people are all meeting, gathering, tearing pages off. Um, others are getting magical glyphs that they're reading on some sort of spell book. Others are uh, uh, grabbing mechanical-looking uh, etched tablets. Uh, it's, it's a very confusing multitude of people. And you see there is a, there is a human male uh, standing right by one of the job boards and kind of shouting at anybody that looks new. And he says... Uh, those of you who uh, this is your first time here uh, or, or your your last jobs, come over here. Uh, my name is Vance. Uh, I'm going to help you all here. Uh, let me explain what's going on. Uh, so on and so forth. And you see that there are lots of individuals that are going up to him. And he's pairing them, or not pairing them off. But uh, as people are getting there, he's kind of looking them over and saying, uh, Okay, uh, you can heal. Uh, let's see, you can... Uh, it, it looks like you're a caster of some variety. Okay, you go with them. Uh, there we go. There's a knight. Uh, there's an archer. Okay, you guys group up. Uh, go grab a, uh, a piece of paper over there that has a one star on it. Nothing more than one star, or you will die. Uh, so go ahead and grab that and come back here. And so he's instructing groups and combining people as he sees fit. So all of you begin converging on that. And uh, he's like, uh, let's see here. Uh, you, you in the robes, uh, the elf, uh, uh, you come over here. Do you approach him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I walk over. Yeah. All right. You, he, you walk over to him and he's looking around. And he's like, uh, you, I, can, I can barely see you, the little one. 
Uh, yes, yes, you, uh, monk, no, uh, punch, puncher person, brawler's guild. Yes, come, come this way. Oh, and you, you, the big man in front of her, or you're the big man behind her, uh, brawler's guild as well. I'm assuming. Come here, come here. You both of you approach. Yeah. Yeah. All right. He's looking around some more, and he's like, "Oh God, uh, you tiny lizard man, uh, and whoever your handler is, come here, mom." <laughs> Mom. <laughs> I'm assuming both of you approach. Yeah. Okay. I can. I. I picture Jekapup with all of these people here, being caught between looking at money pouches and the various food bits that people are carrying with them towards here. I, I see. Oh, yeah. I can picture you like looking between there. That's why he oh, said you're handling. <laughs> Alright, and then he's like, oh, let's see, uh, we need one more here, um, oh, you, you big, uh, shark man, uh, you, yes, captain, I'm assuming, uh, house goal, I can tell, uh, come, come this way, come this way. Jackie Pop looks uh, in amazement at the giant shark man. I mean, not, not one who's used to being bossed around at this point in his career, uh, he, uh, like, I'm not too forthcoming initially. But thinking better of it, seeing the situation at hand, I begrudgingly trudge forward. <laughs> okay. Probably it helped after he said, I know I can tell the captain of some point, of some variety. So that that would probably have, you know, stroked your ego just enough, you know. Just a bit. Yeah. So he gathers you all together and he says, okay, I can tell that all of you have some sort of experience. Uh, I, got, I, I mean, we have a member of... Gull here, they always put out uh, very diligent workers and uh, uh, captains and whatnot. Uh, the Arcanist Guild, we definitely need somebody that can read ancient texts, and I'm assuming that's you, though there is something very Feywild about you, but uh, yes, you'll, you can join here too. Uh, and, and we definitely are appreciative of the Brawlers Guild here, and uh, you, ma'am, uh, definitely look like you have some sort of leadership experience. Uh, so uh, all of you gather together. Uh, you are going to be working together. Uh, I know that this is very sudden, but uh, both feet into the fire, as we like to say. So go over to the job board there, introduce yourselves. This will be your last assignment. Complete it, and you are all free to work with whoever, wherever you want. You never have to see each other again if you don't want to, or this could become a more permanent thing. So head over to the job board there. Um, judging by your powers, and you see that he sweeps his hand in front of you all, and kind of a white silvery mist um, comes out from it, and it glows around all of you, a kind of a, a, a citrine yellow color. And he pulls it back, and he says, Yes, uh, probably nothing above two stars unless you really want to work for it. So go, go on now, the job board there, pick out something that is two stars or lower and uh, come back here. If it's three stars, well, try to stick to two stars. And uh, so he kind of directs you towards the job board. So all of you are completely dumbfounded and, and flabbergasted at this point by the sheer speed at which all of this is handling or happening. If anybody here has anxiety of any kind, it would be flaring up right now because this is just overwhelmingly quick and without explanation. So you guys all kind of wander towards the job board a little bit. Uh, how would you introduce yourselves to each other? Or would you wait to pick out a job first? I don't know who would be the most willing to speak first. 
Can I just look over them to see who looks the most soft of flesh? <laughs> uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, I'm guessing the ones not wearing armor would be... The gambler has light armor, doesn't don't they? Um, yes. Okay, so then it would probably end up being the warlock uh, or... Yeah, or the monk. Because um, I'm assuming... Um, Mako, you would be giant muscly uh, and would not look like you would be soft of flesh. For what it's worth, I don't wear armor if that's what we're going off of here. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Barbarian need no armor. I'd be confused by your skin, having probably not seen uh, many <laughs> of your kind. But I'd, I'd definitely look at, is it Poppy? Being Poppy. the small... Poppy? Being the smaller... Uh, more edible of the bunch and kind of like <laughs> <laughs> look at her and be like mm. <laughs> please and don't then, eat me I love that we're going to have an edibility scale for this party <laughs> <laughs> alright well I'm a, I'm a Vandro uh, glad to meet everyone here apparently we're going to be working together so shall we I'm already walking up to the board Okay, he's going. He's going. Yeah, you're just like pushing people out of the way. Anyone want to like say their names while he's getting the thing, or we, is it like a group decision? You think we should weigh in? No, nothing. Okay. <laughs> As he walks towards the board, I call out, "Grab the one that pays the most!" And then I turn back to, uh, "How do you pronounce it, Dave? Evandril?" Evandril. Evandril. Sorry. And I turn to Evandril and I hold out. My name's Brixie. It's a pleasure. I'm, I'm gonna mispronounce that, but okay. I'll, I'll shake your hand. <laughs> Fantastic. I'll hold my hand out as well after seeing Brixie do it. <laughs> and this is Jekyll. I will reach out with as many fingers as I see on, on lizard folk. I don't know how many that is. Might be three, uh, might be six. Uh, I've got a picture right here. Got normal hands. Uh, I have four, four fingers. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll just tuck three the fingers in to make you feel uh, welcome. Yeah, we'll go with that. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, so um, Mako, as you approach the board, um, you heard them shout, or you heard uh, Brixi shout. Um, uh, find the one that pays the most. So, would you take that advice, or would you just? pick one. How, how would you be sorting through this board while everybody else is introducing themselves? Well, there's two things I love in this world. That's battle and treasure. So I would, of course, look for the one that pays the most. Or, if there's one that sounds like it's going to be really bloody, I'm interested in that, too. Okay, there are a ton of people here, and so it's difficult to see. Uh, Dargron, would you have followed him up, or would you have been in this mix of shaking hands and introductions? Uh, I probably would have been in the middle of a shaking. Like, I'd probably go up to, like, check a pup and, like, how tall are you? Yeah, four foot. Okay, yeah, I'd basically kind of, like, kneel down a little bit and, like, tap the top of your head. <laughs> I'm just shy of eight foot. Careful, he bites. Yeah, I'd, like, try to grab at your hand if you were trying, trying to touch the top of my head defensively. And <laughs> <laughs> if I get a hold of your hand, I'd kind of just grab it for a minute and then, well not a minute, a couple of seconds and then like just squeeze it testing the 
<laughs> Testing your flesh, I suppose. You latch on it. You're gonna like pull you up, like lift my arm up, and you're like dangling at the bottom of. <laughs> you can definitely tell that it would be better with salt or something on it. Maybe if you worked up a sweat, it would be a little bit more tasty. Mmm. <laughs> Okay, uh, so uh, Mako, go ahead and roll me a d10. Okay, I got a 10 on the d10. So the the quests that appear before you, and I went ahead and just picked three random ones. Um, well, not three random ones, but uh, they're the more difficult ones. So, you know, he said don't pick three star, but you're like, I'm the captain here. I will choose what I want to do. And so you find three of the uh, three-star missions that really interest you. Hell yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, so the first one that jumps out at you is there have been some mysterious abductions all in the kind of outside farm communities and uh, the gatherers, not necessarily the adventurers that leave the city walls, but... Those that go out to, you know, pick rare herbs or uh, gather wild uh, game, that kind of stuff, they would be the ones that have started to disappear, as well as some of the farmers outside. And you're not exactly, and they're not exactly sure who is doing it or why, but uh, bodies have been found within the city that have no, no life left to them. They're just kind of there. You know, nothing, they're, they're alive, but they can't speak, they can't talk, they can't eat, they can't do anything for themselves other than just lay there and breathe. So that would be the first one. The second one you find is a recruitment poster, actually. Um, it's, it's a propaganda, basically, but it says that, that the gods don't deserve to shape this world, that... The, the mortals, us us of the land, are the ones that should create this world. Uh, so, so we're recruiting for members that are willing to go out and fight the gods to bring them low and to take their power. Wait, um, what? Yeah, this, this would be very propaganda-y type stuff. So it, it, this would be something that would be worth investigating. It has like 10 stars to it or whatever. They just... You know, random stars all over the page. It doesn't look super official. But they would have, like, a sticky note or an additional poster over the top of half of it that says, investigate this on it. And it would have three stars. And then the last one that you would find, see here, says that somebody is going around to different uh, spellcasters within the city, and they are reversing the magic that they are casting. So, like, alchemists are trying to make healing potions. Like, for some reason, despite the fact that they made a healing potion, it poisons the person that drinks it. Or somebody is enchanting a blade to ignite with fire upon it, and instead a sheen of ice will cover it. So something strange is happening magically within the city, and strange shadows have been seen around that area, but no people have been seen when that kind of event happens. Just strange shadows. So those would be the three three star uh, missions that uh, really catch your eye. Now, is there a uh, um, like a reward attached to them? Coin, item, 
reputation, favors, etc.? Yeah, um, each one would earn you a uh, point within your guild or your great house in order to... So basically they have a... Um, meta terms, they have a one-point value that you could turn in for favors later on within your guild. Um, and they also come with... See, this one's a more difficult one. So this one would give uh, each party member 3d4 um, gold pieces for taking part. So, uh, and then for you, uh, because you're part of the noble house, uh, it would be for you, Mako, you would get 3d6. But everybody else would get 3d4. Okay. So I can roll that up for you guys real quick. Um, so members of the... Uh, so everybody else would get... Where's my last e4? Watch everybody still make more money than me. Yeah. I rolled all two. So it would be um, uh, six gold pieces for uh, the guild members. Show uh, me them sweet ones. Yeah. Uh, and actually eight. So you would get eight gold pieces. Everybody else would get six. Um, but it pays better than most. Most of the other ones would be 2d4 or 2d6. So that, that one is the best paying one. And what one was that exactly? Those three all have that same pay grade to them. Oh, it's for all of them. Not that's not different for each of them. No, right. no. Those okay. those three would all have stood out to you as being one the most violent sounding, uh, or the the number at the bottom would would catch your eye. Okay, so so if all three of them pay that much, then then we can establish that I filled the request of getting the highest paying ones. Now, which one sounds like it's going to be the best scrap? All right, I'll I'll walk them over there. I'll bring the I'll bring the uh, <laughs> I send our posters. I'll bring the posters over uh, yeah. and just hold them out. You technically, you took them off the wall. Technically, we have to. Well, yeah, you can all you see that there's people. That, uh, Poppy, you would see other gnomes that would be like grabbing them, you know, taking them down to read them, and then jumping up and pinning them back up. <laughs> so you know. But it's very uncommon for somebody to take multiple ones. But I, I don't think Maka would care. I think Maka would just rip all three off and walk over regardless of anybody watching or doing. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, did everybody hear me or do you want me to re-explain what those three are? Not yet. Got it. Okay, so what do you all think? Or Maka, what would you say to define these? Well, I, I would cast my uh, vote... Um, for the for the one where the uh, uh, people are just showing up dead, that implies that there's something there worth hunting, in my mind, anyways. Mm. Yeah, Braden as a player will cast his vote for that one. Yeah, I mean the 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 cult sounds interesting. Don't know if I want to get wrapped up in that just yet. Um, <laughs> Don't drink the Kool Aid, man. Monsters, <laughs> though. Well, it sounds okay. like farm the farmers and the people who can't really defend themselves are the ones get. I'd cast my vote for that one. I'll, I'll go for that as well. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. So, uh, Hope, any, or Hope and uh, Tiana, any different opinions? Does that sound good? I'm good with whatever. You guys are... You, you take that notice. Uh, Mako, would you put the other two back up, or would you just kind of toss them over your shoulder? I've, I've been debating this for the last few seconds. Uh, <laughs> I know. And uh, I think I think I would just toss them off to some individual passing bus. There, there you go. Future Bob here. As I said earlier, we had some internet problems. As this is where our internet cut out completely for a little bit, but uh, 
we apologize. Uh, back onto the show. Okay, so what would what would okay? So Mako gave it to the dwarf. The dwarf stomped off. Um, how how do we get there? Is it in this city, or do we by chance have to take a boat to get there? And uh, no, you would have to. It, it would be within the city. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, it would be within the city. Um, that bodies are mostly found because once you leave the city it gets you know kind of dangerous so there's not as much traffic out there and those that do disappear outside the city were gatherers and hunters and whatnot so they would be kind of have their own little secret spots that they wouldn't want people going to anyway okay so you're saying it's in this city that it's happening then just to be clear correct yes it's within this city that the bodies are found gotcha so would you take it back up to Vance and, and uh, speak with him about it, or do you guys want to set off without direction? Yeah, we should probably ask him where he got it from, or um, like any contacts that he knows about, or that would be connected to the, to the job. So you take it back to Vance, and all of you are kind of grouped loosely together in one form or another, um, with Jekapup trying not to eat everybody around him. Um, and so you are you approach Vance and he takes a look over it and he says oh, I can't believe you uh, chose a three star one I, I, I said that that was gonna be too much for you guys but uh, you, you, you'll probably be able to handle it um, just you know no come crying to me if you disappear or die uh, not that you would be able to unless you come back and haunt me and if you haunt me I'm gonna kick your ass so don't do that either uh, yeah, so you know, we'll we'll go ahead and um, we'll, we'll assign you that one. The Arcanist Guild may have some clues as to what could make somebody pass out like that. You know, otherwise you could visit uh, any one of the noble houses because I know they have several indentured farms and and whatnot outside of the the city itself that would be able that would be affected. Otherwise. Uh, you know, just go out and, and and look. Your best bet would be to just talk to people and, and see who you could find that would know anything about it. Uh, you, you're big kids now, so you can, except for you, little lizard man, um, little lizard boy, whatever. Um, we, you're all adults. You can you can figure this out on yourself. Cool, baby lizard boy. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. All right. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Uh, once you once you figure out what's going on or have any clue or whatever, give up. You know, come back here. We'll get you paid or uh, what, whatever ends up happening. Yeah. Do we need like I don't know proof if we come back kill something? Must mean you want like I don't I, I don't know a year. Well, I mean, if something is doing it, kill it. If you can't kill it, then you know, tell us who's doing it, and that'll still count. Okay. Oh God, yes, Virgil. You need to carry around either Virgil or Mako. Need to carry around a, a baby Bjorn for him. <laughs> <laughs> that would be <laughs> okay. Uh, except Poppy is actually smaller. Than, than yeah, Mako. not Poppy. I meant I so... meant uh, Dargron. Oh, that's right. Poppy would be in the baby Bjorn too. But Poppy is <laughs> an adult and can take care of herself. I'm an adult lady. <laughs> Yeah, but she's like eight inches shorter. Okay, so Jackie you know, Pop can wear a baby Bjorn, and then Poppy can sit in front of that one, and then oh someone God. else will have yeah. me in front of another one. This is like a Russian nesting doll, but baby Bjorns. <laughs> Pretty much. We could have we could have one of you ride on Mako and one of you ride on Dargon, each equipped with crossbows, 
and you know mobile artillery right there. Maybe oh the my best god, idea dude! Ever. Yes. Anybody else just get like a fucking Mad Max master and blaster out of this? <laughs> For sure. Just get me close enough so I can punch him. We're good. No joke. <laughs> Okay, so um, what would you guys like to do from here? Like I said, you're currently surrounded by all manner of people. It's extremely crowded, very noisy. Um, they mentioned the Arcanist Guild. Otherwise, one of the noble families might know something because they have you know farms that they own and, and uh, lease out to farmers and whatnot. So where would you like to go? Yeah, does, does, has anyone in the group heard anything about... I don't know, people going going comatose all of a sudden? Anyone, anyone heard of that? Yes. I just read it on this paper. <laughs> I mean, aside from that. But no. Oh, aside God. from that one time. That's great. Okay, so um, who, if anybody would frequent the alleys or um, live in the poorer part of town, you can go ahead and roll me a straight luck check. So a straight d20 and let me know if it's 10 or higher. I'm I'm doing that. Would I live in a poor part? I got a 19. Okay. Um, quick question i when did cadmere seed have the bus done was that tonight or tomorrow uh we'll say it's tonight um then i mentioned to the group that i do need to run by house thane if we need to and we could always ask them since they are a noble house if you need to head by there that's fine we can stop by yeah you would know that house thane does pride itself as being kind of the protectors of the city like all of the most important guards, the most famous guards, those that are the ones that get all the uh, ceremonial duties and whatnot, they would all come pretty much from House Thane. Since we're looking for information, you mentioned that it's, it seems to be like uh, farmers and, and the like as well that are coming up um, in this state, these potatoes. Does, Correct, yeah. Does House Gaul transport any goods for them? Would they have any reason to have information in regards to this? Uh, they might, yeah. They would probably, because House Gaul does all the transportation. So, you know, either via airship or via, you know, sea-type ship, um, they would definitely have transported, you know, agricultural goods. So it's, it's possible that there might have been some chatter overheard about this. Yeah, probably not in the higher ups as much as the um, the harbor mass. I don't think there'd be more than one, but you know the the ones that would be checking the manifests and whatnot um, would probably have heard stuff. Okay. All right. So, what would you guys like to do first? It would be you know maybe one o'clock, two o'clock at the latest at this point. Um, so you have plenty of time to before nightfall when the bust is due, um, or uh, you know the docks would pretty much shut down at night. Other than you know late ships arriving, there wouldn't be a ton of uh, actual working people at the docks at in the evening hours uh, after dark. And same thing with being outside the city gate. Most people aren't outside the city gate at night. So what would you like to tackle first, or do you want to split the party? <laughs> Well, we should probably take, like, ten minutes quick to just, like, try and talk to people where we're at and see if one's heard anything about it, because we're already in, like, a pretty populated area, right? Yeah, there are tons of people around you. It's very crowded and very loud. Yeah, so we should probably do, like, ten minutes of investigation to see if we can find anything from that, like, any leads. 
Okay, for sure. Um, so how would you go about trying to figure that out and ask? Oh, boy. Well, the, uh, the, the poster didn't seem to give any indication whether it happened to other people or farmers or, like, it kind of seemed to be, it didn't seem to affect anyone in particular or any location specifically. No, all over outside the city. And I'm sorry, I forgot to mention two other guilds that would have information. Um, the Hunter's Guild um, and the Naturalist Guild would both probably have information as well um, for obvious reasons. The Naturalist Guild being all about, you know, the plants, so they would be in charge of the agricultural stuff um, as well as uh, gatherers and whatnot. And then the Hunter's Guild for very obvious hunting reasons. Right. But yeah, the um, paper wouldn't mention a whole lot other than people would disappear not only outside the city in isolated areas, but also, you know, random hobos or people that got drunk and passed out in the street or uh, even a, you know, lone walker. So laborers who are walking home by themselves at night, maybe take shortcuts through alleyways, you know, that kind of stuff. People who are isolated disappear. All right. I'm, I would I would I would try and spot out people in the crowd that are maybe visibly a part of one of those guilds um, yeah you know either either one of the new recruits or someone a little bit older um, just trying to spot anyone like that yeah once you are a free quote-unquote member of the guild so once you have paid off your debt everybody would either have a tattoo or a magical sigil or some very identifiable mark that everybody can tell that you're part of that guild um, so you are very easily able to pick out anyone from the naturalist or the hunter's guild. Okay, I would approach. <laughs> Does anyone okay. have money? Does anyone? Good question. Just in case we have to like give someone money. Does anyone have money? I I would assume I have money. There was there was yeah. mention of buying stuff. I bought nothing. Okay, yeah. You guys would have um, when you started. You have 500 gold pieces to spend on anything in the player's handbook, but you can have, but you can keep no more than 30 gold plus your background amount. Oh, then I guess I would buy stuff. Yeah, you can figure out your inventory later. It's not going to be super, oh, okay. super big deal. It's just to uh, to you know upgrade armor from the starter stuff or weapons from the starter stuff. You know, get a couple magic potions, that kind of stuff. Oh, I just wanted to be flush with cash. <laughs> you will be after after a couple of missions because I think Sailor starts off with 10 or 15 gold pieces plus the 30 so you would have you know between 40 and 45 gold pieces okay yeah so I'll just I'll, I mean if anyone else wants to come with that's fine but I'll just I'll just start walking up to I'll, I'll let them know what's going on and I'll start walking up to people that seem like might be part of the naturalist guild or something like that okay yeah uh, let's see here you approach... Ooh, this one's stereotypical, but I like it. Uh, you approach a Fearbolg um, druid who is currently... seems to be talking to some sort of um, awakened shrub or plant of some variety. Uh, seems to be coaxing this small plant to, to grow and to bloom and that kind of stuff. Um, and they have the insignia of the Naturalist Guild on them. Uh, hello, gentle sir, gentle shrub. Uh, can I bother you with a with an inquiry? Uh, e- yes. Uh, how can I be of assistance to you today? Ah, uh, well, yes. Um, I'm sure you're aware of the uh, 
you know, frequent job listings that are 20 feet that way. Um, I just happened to pick up one of those frequent job listings. Um, and we're, we're investigating a little bit of a uh, public health issue where people seem to be, you know, disappearing uh, late at night when they're out on their own, you know, on the town and reappearing in the daytime, you know, seeming to have lost something um, alive, but, you know, not not fully functional. Would you would you know if you happen to hear have heard about anything like that? Uh, yes, actually, uh, as a part of the guild business, we have been trying to breed a variety of shrubs that would signal danger, much like the shrieker mushrooms that are found in the deep caverns. But we have yet to have any luck of making anything that would alert us to the danger of the disappearances but we do have several in our guild that are patrolling to discover what is happening to those outside of the gates if it is of interest to you I would suggest seeking them out among the farms outside of the city uh, yes, totally. Do you know anyone in particular that we could stop by and ask about? Uh, yes, um, Laniel. The druid Laniel would be happy to assist you. He is, I believe, patrolling in the shape of a wolf right to the north out of the Traveler's Gate. Like, um, like a special wolf? Or you just look like a wolf? He, he will come up to you if you call out to him. All right, what was his name again? Uh, Linnell. We'll go with. That's easier Lionel. to pronounce. Lionel. Yeah, I know. I don't. It looks like Lionel, but I don't want to call a druid yeah. Lionel. <laughs> I'll, I'll spell it out so that I say it right. Don't worry. Okay. All right. So uh, would you return to the group then, or... Yep. I'll return to the group. I'll let them know, you know, what I heard. Hello, everyone. Here's what I heard. Yeah. Would anybody else like to do anything, or what would you guys like to do? Uh, knowing Druidic, I could probably offer some hand, but in Danny's way of saying this, he'd whisper that he knows Druidic and is a Druid to, well, first to Brixie, so she could relay that information because he's not too confident with the rest of the group yet. All right. We could go and search for uh, another druid, and we can have Jacopup talk to him because he speaks druidic. Yeah, that's fine. We can uh, look for a little bit more information here if you guys want. Otherwise, I've got a name of a guy who wants to, who we could talk to outside the city who seems to have encountered something like this. We should probably go there first order. First-hand encounters better than just these people who have heard information about it. I agree. Right, we will use your druid skill. I promise you that. So then you guys <laughs> head straight north through the Traveler's Gate to go find the druid? Sounds good. Yep. Okay. Future Bob here for one final announcement. Since we're trying to keep these episodes between 90 minutes and two hours long, this was about the best spot to stop. So we will pick up next week with episode one, part B, I guess, for lack of a better term. 
and uh, we'll see what happens once they all leave the gate. Thank you very much, and join us here next time for another episode of Journey into the Voidland.